Love yourself. Strive for progress, not perfection. Know your worth, then at tax. Make an income while making an impact. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Visualize your higher self and start showing up as that. Level up. Hi guys and welcome to a new episode of Level Up With Lou with your girl Lou Oni and this is the episode to help you live your best life, pursue your dreams and love yourself. If you're not already following the podcast on Instagram, make sure you follow us at Level Up With Lou and if you have any comments or questions or if you'd like to hop on the show, email me at levelupwithlou at gmail.com. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome our guest today. Guys, I'm so excited for this episode because I honestly feel like I connect with this woman of God so much. She's honestly quite inspiring. Like I read her whole book um, like within a few hours and I found it so inspiring and I learned so much from it. But our guest today is Fatima Oliver. Fatima is an author, supervisor, and reporting analyst with project management experience from Las Vegas, Nevada. She's also a wife and a mother who has a passion for speaking into the lives of women and helping them heal from traumatic life events. Using what she calls a baby step approach, Fatima has been able to embrace the work necessary to help heal from childhood trauma, heartbreak and abuse. Her book, The Prescription is in the Dirt, is an inspirational memoir where she shares her life's journey and lessons. And in today's episode, Fatima is here to share with us about the lessons from her life that she's learned and how to shift from a victim mentality to a victor victor mindset and to heal from your past. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Fatima. How are you? Thank you. I appreciate it, Lou. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. When you sent me your book, I was quite interested in the name because I've never actually read a book that said the prescription is in the dirt. So it kind of intrigued me as to what possibly you could be talking about. And I thought maybe it could be, obviously I knew what like maybe the background would be because I knew it was about you and you'd already kind of told me about yourself. But I was interested to see how like you turned that meaning of the title into a message. Um, so can you just share with us your personal growth story and what made you actually decide to write this book? Yeah, well, um, again, thank you for having me. The prescription is in the dirt. Um, that name, um, the dirt part of it really means, um, just all the drama and taboo conversations that sometimes you're told to not have. You're not, you, things you don't maybe discuss, um, in church for fear of being isolated or shamed. Um, things that you um, may encounter in your home that you're told to um, keep secret in your home. Um, what what the the saying goes: What happens in our house stays in our house. But even when it's traumatic experiences, you're not given that opportunity to heal because you have to be shushed. And so it, it really dives into those um, type of events that have happened in my life, my trauma, my drama, sometimes relationship craziness. Um, family woes, all of it, it kind of dives into much of my life. And, um, and I share my dirt. Um, I try to be as honest as possible about the things that I have 
gone through in my life. And actually the book is an extension of therapy for me. Um, it, it's allowing me to process as well as share. And so the critical thing about the title is that just like dirt, if you don't um, go down deep and allow God to restore and mend and resolve and heal those things, similar to dirt, you can be buried with those items and basically um, live walking around like a zombie dead inside. And so the dirt can do that, but the dirt can also um, transform and help things to grow similar to the image on my book where I have plants growing out of the soil. The dirt can either bury you or it can help you grow. And so that really is what the book kind of um, sheds light on as you walk with me through my life experiences. And so um, I basically grew up um, the only girl um, with five brothers, oh. and I actually have three. How many boys do I got? I lose count. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have four boys of my own. So I am so used to being around boys, and um, God really has a sense of humor with that because I was just, uh, just hoping and hoping for a girl. But, um, but yeah. So I grew up with all brothers. Very kind of a tough home, just like many of us are used to. Um, I had a single parent. Uh, it was a single parent home, unfortunately, like many people. And my mom had the tough challenge of raising um, boys and um, by herself. And so I believe just the frustration of of having to parent so many kids, of living in a, a space where life um, was rougher on people that look like us or look like me. And um, just the unfairness of life as it is um, and not having any type of assistance from the fathers for the most part, um, I, I can't help but believe that it brought a lot of undercurrent frustration. And so when she disciplined or scolded or um, spoke to us, it was often harsh. I don't believe that it was intentional. I just that was just the experience. Yeah. And so I grew up not necessarily being able to show a lot of emotion because truly there was no time mm -hmm. for that. Um, we really were more so taught to be tough as nails and um, like uh, strong and like soldiers and like handle life situations no matter what come at you. We were definitely taught how to survive. But I, I do believe that we um, we missed being taught how to um, love each other and what that looks like as far as affection and being able to have honesty and, 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 um, care and just basically having some place to be vulnerable without being kind of teased or, or looked at as being weak. Mm. And so, um, that type of mindset honestly carried me throughout, um, most, most of my life where I had a difficult time tapping into and allowing myself to, express my emotions because I naturally felt that I was being weak yeah. if I felt I couldn't handle a situation. And so that definitely played horribly in relationships, whether it was at work or with friends or even um, in a, a dating relationship to where I could seem like I was disconnected. And, um, and, and for the most part, I was, I had a lot of trauma in my life and I was disconnected from the emotional parts of that. Wow. That is honestly so interesting because i i don't know i can't imagine what it's been like for you growing up with all brothers because i grew up the opposite so i grew up with all sisters <laughs> and as you or as you probably yeah. have heard and you know like girls like to fight girls 
girls are a lot let's just put it that <laughs> yeah. way and my poor father honestly like <laughs> he didn't let's just put it this way yeah. he tried to stay out of women's business he didn't like try to get involved <laughs> in, it, in any of like our yeah. arguments and stuff and i just like looking back on it now i'm just yeah. like oh i actually i'm so appreciative for the fact that I grew up with all sisters because I feel like the closeness yeah. and the bond we have is just so tight yeah. and we understand each other so much and there's that vulnerability yeah. and openness and I can just imagine like growing up with all boys not being able to open up in that way because I feel like men even like just as like a natural thing men struggle with being vulnerable and being open and yes. really sharing their feelings. Yeah so living with that I remember like even like people like I've dated, <laughs> you have to kind of force them to say things and really express how they feel. Um, so yeah, honestly, I props to you because I don't know I don't know how you handled it. But and now you've even you're even now raising all boys. This is just this is just God. <laughs> Let's just say it's God It's nothing but God. Yes, this is God. God clearly wants you to be around men. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, it's nothing but God. So I, I do think it prepared me for my household. I really do. I, I really mm, feel that way. And definitely. it but it also gave me kind of like a, a, a handicap or a disconnect when it came with women because I wasn't used to all the emotions. So all the crying, all the stuff that I would perceive from a guy's perspective as nagging and I it, it would frustrate me. I was so disconnected from from expressing emotion. And and really it was because growing up when I would, my brothers would poke fun at that. They'd be like, they'd be like oh my God, are you crying? Yeah. So it was such a bad thing. It was looked at as such a bad thing. And, and honestly, even my mom, she was so stoic mm. and so strong. You hardly ever saw her cry you never I mean I I I I didn't see my mom cry until I was a, gr a grown-up out of her house in my 30s probably and and even to this day I can't even stand to hear it hear her cry it breaks my heart mm. because I'm just so not used to it yeah. but um it was definitely a different type of environment and I, I do say I, I know that it wasn't a matter of intentionally trying to um mess mess me up but it's just that the opposite, the, the adverse effect of that was it, it made it difficult for me to be able to feel the freedom to share how I felt. And so in that, through the difficulties that I had in my life, I kept it deep, deep inside yeah. and um, I internalized a lot of stuff. So um, I when I would finally kind of blow up or it would just rise up. I would just just blow up on whoever was there and people would be like, where did that come from? Where did all that anger come from? Where did all that rage come from? You know, yeah. I never knew that was in you. And it was because I didn't have a healthy way of expressing myself. And it was only until it was so I was so full that it would explode in a negative way. And so um, I didn't learn how to actually control or express my emotions and feel comfortable expressing my emotions, even if my my family my boys in my house my husband think it's weird or they don't they can't relate i've learned to feel comfortable with expressing my emotions but that didn't happen until i was in my 40s um we've talked a bit about perspective and how your perspective has kind of shaped the kind of woman you are today um something interesting about you is that you are a christian but you grew up Buddhist and you have a Muslim name. Can yeah. you explain the story behind that yeah. and how that's actually shaped you <laughs> as a person and how you see life? Yeah. 
Yes. And I love that part about myself. Uh, and I did it. It's like I, I had like an epiphany about that. Like, I don't know, around my 30s when I was just talking to my mom on the phone one day and it just kind of all connected to me that, wow. But um, um, my Buddhism, um, it's, it's looked at or viewed as Nichiren Daishonin Buddhism. It's an uh, a Asian religion and it is the generational religion in my family. So my mother is a Buddhist. Um, I have uncles who are Buddhist, aunts, um, cousins, my brothers. Um, I'm basically the only Christian in my immediate family. And then I do have some cousins that um, claim um, Christianity, but then there are some that claim Buddhism. So it's just a nice um, montage of Buddhists and Christians. And honestly, when I decided to um, leave um, the Buddhist religion and, and become a Christian, um, it was actually a scary moment because I was really one of the first people um, in my immediate family to decide to become um, a Christian. And it really was viewed as a cult from my, my family's perspective. They didn't understand why I would want to leave our religion. And, um, and, and so that was a scary moment. And, and it took a lot of years for us to be able to get to a place where we could, um, there could be a mutual respect for my choice as I, as I would respect my family's choice as far as religious preference. But also in that, um, my name, my mom named me Fatima, um, in, um, it's, um, Islamic for the meaning is daughter of a prophet. And, um, I really um, didn't even know that until we wound up making Muslim friends, um, just growing up in my neighborhood. And so, um, Growing up with the name, I just I felt like, well, now I can tell people that so that they'll stop talking about my name, that it, it, it has such a nice meaning to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but as I matured and, and started working in the corporate world and I worked in like call centers and all that type of stuff and you get all kind of people on the phone and I realized that my name actually related um, to so many people. Um, because of the different backgrounds that people had when they were called into to, to my center. So if I was talking to somebody who was African, sometimes they would automatically say, oh, like, and we would just form this rapport immediately because they liked my name <laughs> and they understood the meaning behind my name. Aww. And so they would be like, how did you get that name? And they would say, Fatima. Your name is Fatima. How did you get the name Fatima? And I'd be like, well, my mom. And they're like, what part of Africa are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Vegas. And they're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean you're from Vegas? But it, it's always, it's all, it always tickles me, but it also helps me to build relationships with strangers right off the bat when they have some type of a relationship with somebody named Fatima. And so I just think it is such a blessing for me personally to be able to say that I grew up in a Buddhist re religion where you had to learn to be, um, to accept all different faces, all different, all different looks. You had to learn how to integrate because everybody was different. So I learned that growing up, I, I grew up um, in a very diverse type of religion right off the bat. So I lived in a, in a, in a culturally pretty much all black neighborhood but my religion allowed me to be able to engage with all different races. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And then my choice to become a Christian was truly just because of who God started to become in my life. And, and I, I love that I made that decision. But to be able to be so well-rounded 
um, it's, it truly has been a blessing for me. Wow. Um, maybe just, this is just me being ignorant, but I don't actually know a lot of black Buddhists and I didn't actually know Buddhism. You, no, that. you're right. I didn't, like I know, okay, there's a lot, I know like there's a lot of black Muslims, there's a lot of black Christians, but I just, you know, like yeah. some certain religions like Hinduism, yes. Sikhism, things yes. like that. I've always, always felt like they were, yeah more for people that were from asia and it was more of like a culture yeah you're right so how do you think i felt thing? growing up in it <laughs> so we're like where do yes. you even know like the history of how your family even became that and do you yes even... my grandmother my, my grandmother wound up meeting someone who was asian they were friends they became friends like shoot in the 40s 50s for i would say um yeah i guess the 40s 50s um, 1950 something and she befriended someone who was Asian and the and the lady introduced her to the, um, her religion and from there um, my my grandmother my um, on my mother's side um, took on the religion and and then when my when um, my grandmother passed away I really think that had a lot to do with it was my my grandmother passing away and my mom felt a connection and that was a way to stay connected. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just my mom. It was it was my uncles who picked up the religion also or just kept it going. Yeah. And it was taught to them as as kids, but they kept it going, I think, as a way to keep my grandmother's memory alive. And then from there, just like anything, you can pass positive things on generationally you can pause you can pass down negative things generationally this religion was passed down to us generationally so from my farthest memory as a kid i remember being a buddhist i was a buddhist until i was 19 years old and i decided at that time um just to find my own spiritual path but absolutely it it, it just was a part of me since i i could remember wow um, so talking about like your spiritual path <laughs> and <laughs> becoming a Christian, um, having been someone that yeah. grew up in the Buddhist faith, how did that actually happen? Like, how did you find God and how did your family take it? Because I know you, you talked about that briefly when you said they felt like it was some, somewhat yeah. of a cult. But yeah, just tell us how you found yeah. out, how you found God really. Oh boy. So that's a loaded question. So there, I, I would say that there was an aunt. I have to give her, um, her due respect on this. Um, and she actually was the one that kind of paved that opportunity because I had an aunt who was, who was a Christian and she, I guess she decided early on that she was going to be a Christian. And so sometimes I would go spend the night over her house with my cousin. So if you spent the night, you were going to church. It didn't matter what your religious <laughs> preference was. You were getting up and you were going to church. Yeah. So she, so occasionally I will be able to go to church and hear the songs. And I love music. I've always been someone who loved music. Um, singing is in my blood. So, you know, that really was what captured me deep inside when I left the church and went back home. I always had those songs embedded in my soul. And so eventually, whenever I'd go over, I'd remember the songs. But um, but it really wasn't passing. My my faith was concrete, um, cemented into Buddhism. But it all, all, all it takes is a man. A man can just change your mind on anything. Imagine. <laughs> Yeah, that something lying. you meet a boy. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> you want to move countries, you change boy. your last name, <laughs> <laughs> change change your job. <laughs> Absolutely, drop everything for a boy. Yes. Oh my God! Don't let him say he loves you. Oh, it's over. 
<laughs> and so I met a boy, and um, <laughs> oh gosh, and um, he was actually. I, yeah, he was actually my high school sweetheart. He was my high school sweetheart and his family were Christians and he was a Christian and um, he sang in the church and they were just, I guess he grew up in the church. I grew up a Buddhist. He grew up in the church and and just being around him all the time. I got um, just more insight on Christianity. I got this um Hear, hear more Christian music, which of course was appealing to me. I started asking questions and I don't, I don't want to say he, he ever tried to change me, but just when I asked questions, he got excited and would share um, Jesus with me. Yeah. And so I would even say stuff like, well, if Jesus is real, how, well, why is this? And if Jesus was real, what about this? And it just really piqued my interest. And so after so long, um, I actually started um, just finding myself more and more interested. Eventually, me and the boy would break up. He would hurt my heart and we would break up and um, I would have to find my own way. And and um, I was one of the people that his mother always watched this TV channel. It was a Christian broadcasting show. And every time I would go over to her house, she always had it on this channel um, where it was always talking about Christian sermons and everything Christian. And when he broke my heart, I was, I had my own place by then. I was 19. He broke my heart. And when I went home, I tried to find that channel for whatever reason. I wanted to find that channel on my TV. And I found that Christian broadcast channel. And at the time they were getting ready to do the sinner's prayer. And when they recited the sinner's prayer, I recited the sinner's prayer. And that's actually how I got saved. It was through watching TV in my living room. And then from there, you know, I would just, I didn't know anything about, about God. I didn't really know anything about being saved, but for me, I, I just wanted to know him. And so, um, yeah, so, um, I, I told a friend at work, there are some different things that happened. I won't tell everything cause it's in the book. Um, but, um, but I, I met a friend at work who found out that I was newly saved because I said the sinner's prayer. So despite what my life still looks like, I was under God's thumb. I was saved. And so she actually, a friend at work actually bought me my first Bible and, and helped direct me into which, which Bible, um, um, books of the Bible to read because so that I wouldn't get confused. And, um, and then I just would go home and read the Bible and, and just, I, I started my walk with God that way. But, but early on, when um, early on when when I was trying to get to know who God was, I was very scared of my mom finding out. I was very scared of what she would say because there was a time where we had tried to go to church. My mom decided she wanted to go to church, and we started going to church when I was like a teenager. And when they found out that we were Buddhist, that we came from a Buddhist background, they stopped us from being able to come to the church. And it really um, impacted my entire family. We didn't understand why we wasn't allowed to to get to know who God was. Mm. We felt rejected and that we were not, um, that God didn't love us and that we something was wrong with us. And it strongly impacted my family. So me making the decision years later to become a Christian, it really was a scary thing to admit to my family because of that history with the church. Um, I think it's so interesting yeah. how you say um, that they didn't want to accept you because of your background and your faith yeah. in Buddhism. When 
Christianity is supposed to be something that people come into and that everyone is welcome. Yeah. Um, that it's not, it's yeah. not, this is not, it's not my religion. It's not my thing. It's all our thing. Like we have, we all have, yeah. no matter who you are, even if you believe in the devil, as in like you worship the devil, we all have the opportunity to come to God's presence yeah. and to, you know, yeah, be children of God regardless of it all and yeah. i think it's just really yeah. sad how a religion that is supposed to be accepting of people is some sometimes somewhat the religion that actually pushes people away from god when we're yeah. supposed to be the light yeah. jesus when jesus was on earth he didn't hang out with the rich people he didn't hang out with the yeah, good looking people not to right. say that oh there's something wrong with rich and good looking people no but jesus hung out with right. the people that were the outcasts of society the people that people saw as the lowest in society yes and he said yes them. absolutely so it's yes. just, yeah yeah like stuff like that just really it can be painful it's yeah. frustrating yeah yeah and it was frustrating and and now looking back on it now of course i see that as such a blemish um on that um on that pastor, uh, you know, on, on that whole, or, you know, that it was just religious. It was just religiosity. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. And I'm so glad that God brought me under, um, at, um, working at my church. I met, uh, I'm sorry, working at my church, working at my job, <laughs> working at my job. Um, just going to, going to work on Sunday. Maybe, you I, know I what, met, maybe you're professing. <laughs> Well, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Because <laughs> there is something in the works, actually. <laughs> yes, there is something in the works, actually. But maybe I am. Absolutely. But um, there was a there was a pastor and his wife that met me at my job during at that time, at that fresh time in my life where I was trying to get to know God. And they learned that I didn't have a church and they invited me and they learned my story and they did the complete opposite. They did what Jesus did and they invited me into their church and they taught me the word of God and they taught me how to worship God and they baptized me in their church and to this day when I when I say my Godfather that's who I'm referencing I'm referencing that man who was a pastor and his wife who took me under their wing and taught me who Jesus was and one of the key things that my Godfather told me was that um, Christianity um, the church is a spirit is meant to be a spiritual hospital. Nobody in the church is perfect. Even if yeah. um, people think they're perfect, we go there to be healed and to be delivered. And that Christianity is about a relationship with Christ. It's not about yeah. a religion. One that was one of the first things he taught me as a young Christian. He taught me that we can religiously do anything. We can religiously go get our eyebrows waxed. We can religiously get our hair done or go to the same cafeteria to eat to get coffee that's religion a relationship takes getting to know who jesus yeah. is getting to know his walk getting to know like you said who he hung out with getting to know his heart and um and that is what he taught me straight straight from the beginning and so when situations like that occur where I see somebody that says they are a Christian, but they act the complete opposite as what was taught, shown to my family. Um, I, I'm able to show grace because I understand that they don't understand that they're walking in religion. Yeah. They're not walking with Christ. And there is a dynamic difference. And so I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for 
for that that pastor and his wife, my God, my godparents, for how they taught me. And I definitely believe that it has continued to be a foundation for me in which I've built my faith on. But that is my foundation. And I'm so grateful for them. quotes I read in your book um, went, no one is meant to do life alone. No matter how flawed your walk or how enriched, there is always someone who can benefit from your experience. And I found that so powerful um, because I'm someone who always believes in the power of sharing your story because you don't know if yeah. someone's listening that, you know, is going through the exact same thing, thing or has gone through the exact yeah. same thing. I just looking for some sort of hope or encouragement to carry on and yes. to improve their lives or to strive to do better yeah. things. Um, for you, like, why yeah. are you such a big believer in paying things forward and sharing your testimony? Um, I, honestly, that's just how God made me. <laughs> but I've always been so, I mean, I've just, I've always had that in me but it was looked at as a bad yeah. thing. So I've always, I talk about identity in the book a lot. Mm -hmm. I talk about how I didn't know my identity and these different things kept cultivating my identity in negative ways. So I've always had a heart for people. I've always had a soft, soft spot and been compassionate. And I really think it's because of what I've gone mm -hmm. through. So I, I, I know what sadness feels mm -hmm. like. I felt sadness most of my life. So when I see somebody else sad, I feel bad for them, right? I've been through some horrible things. So when I find out that somebody else has been through something horrible, even if it's not the same thing, I naturally feel for them. But through my life, mm -hmm. I've been told that I wore my feelings on my sleeve as if that's a bad mm -hmm. thing. Through my life, I was told I need to toughen up and not be all um, sappy and so soft. That's what I was always told. So I looked at it as if it was a negative thing, but it has always been something that God has gifted me with. And so when people stood up in my life that and helped me when I was at my worst, when I was, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what was going on with me. And, and I felt so sad and alone and unloved. And there were key people that God put in my life that helped to tell me that all of that was a lie and that I was somebody important and that I was special to them. And they held my hand and they helped me get the help through um, medicine, through therapy, through Bible study programs at my church, there were key people that helped me. And so for me, I just feel like it is it is God's um, expectation for us as Christians to help somebody else. The Bible says that we are supposed to bear the infirmities of the weak. The key thing in there is weak, the weak people we're supposed to help. So me, I just feel like this is a calling right now. Um, it's always been, but I'm ha I got a platform right now to share the importance of helping somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that 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 part that you put in the that you read from the book, it actually came from when I was in a place where I didn't feel that I really had much to offer. Mm -hmm. But even in that space of where I felt I didn't have much to offer, where I was hiding a lot of the pain that was going on with me. Do you know that there were people 
constantly coming to me saying, Fatima, what is your thought on this? Fatima, what is your thought on that? And I would be thinking, if you only knew what was going on in my head right now, if you only knew the pain that I was feeling inside me right now, they had no idea. They were still coming to me thinking that I was a light and that I had some encouragement and wisdom to give them. And I would dig into my bank and give it to them. So even though I was going through so much hurt and pain in my life, I still had something available to give to somebody else that they felt was fruitful. And to me, that just proves mm. that no matter what part of your life that you're struggling in, there's mm. always something that you could share to help somebody, even if it's mm. just somebody seeing that you're not giving up. That's something that can encourage somebody else. Definitely. That is really powerful. In your book as well, you mentioned about Hannah in the Bible, how her ten tenacity yeah. for purpose beyond what she saw actually provided you with somewhat of like a trail and somewhat of like a light at the end of the tunnel for your own grief after miscarriage yeah. can you kind of share with us yes. how that helped you to turn your pain um of dealing with a miscarriage into purpose yes and i want to stay and it's not nothing on you I don't view it as a miscarriage because I actually gave birth and she did live. So I, um, I, I had a child, I, well, I had a complicated pregnancy and, um, it was actually my first pregnancy. And so, um, and, and that's tough because I had no idea that I even, I would even have difficulty, honestly, until I was like four, four and a half, close to five months pregnant. And, um, I began to have horrible pains it, clearly it was contractions, had no idea, and was taken to the hospital and I had to have an immediate uh, procedure done to basically secure the baby and keep the baby in. And um, we, we struggled through that. I had that um, procedure twice and was in the hospital for like two weeks, maybe close to three. And um, ultimately um, my child was born early um, at um, five, about 23 weeks, um, a little bit um, after what is that? A little bit over um, four months pregnant and so or five months pregnant, a little bit over five months pregnant. Um, my child was born er early and she actually was one pound, three ounces. And so she um, the doctors actually had said if she didn't come out breathing on her own, that they weren't going to medically. They did not have um, they did. They weren't mandated. They didn't have to help. And I prayed and asked God that, that, you know, just, just changed their hearts. And so when she came out, um, she wasn't breathing. They rushed her to, um, surgery or to be helped and to, um, and, and they kept her alive on machines for, for five hours. I think they said she did come out breathing, but then she would stop and they, they would keep helping. And one of the things that I was thinking about at that time, it's my first child. I don't even know the emotions I'm supposed to feel. My emotions are all over the place. I haven't held her yet. I'm just sitting and waiting to be able to hold my child. And I was praying and I asked God, I, you know, I hate that she's suffering. I hate that she has to suffer to live. And I didn't know it at the time, but my husband at the time was also praying the same thing to God that he hated to see her suffering. And um, I got to go down and see her one time. She was so tiny. And um, but again, I saw the doctors actively working on her. She wasn't breathing by herself. And five hours later, she did pass away. I actually didn't get to hold her until she passed away. And I and she looked like a little black China doll, so tiny. 
and full of hair, just a beautiful baby. But you could also see the prematurity and the ear wasn't all the way um, and just some other things that it was clear she wasn't fully developed. And as I held her, I just it felt so cruel for the for the nurses to come in and take pictures. And I just was like, what is that? Like for me, how can you take pictures in my most grieving time? But they took pictures and um. And, and so when I went home, I had no phone. We had just moved. Um, I had no phone. I had no way to contact, have contact with anybody. And I would be in, in home, at home by myself. And, and I, I was just in a ball. I just was by myself in that pain, by myself. And I didn't understand why God would allow me to go through five months of carrying a baby when I thought I couldn't even have a baby just to take her away. I was very angry at God. And at that time, honestly, is when I really got an intimate relationship with God because I was angry and I wanted to understand why. And I went to his feet and I stated my claim. And my Godfather always told me that God already knows what's in your heart. So you might as well share it. He already knows it. So why harbor it? And I really did I, my pain screamed at it out at God, not in hate, but my pain, my grievance screamed out at God. And even in that moment, um, I heard nothing back. And I felt even in that moment that I still understood that God was still God and he owed me nothing. But in, in that moment of grieving, I fell upon the story of Hannah and how Hannah had a similar problem with um, fertility and how people would ridicule her. And back in the day, um, polygamy was legal. And so um, her husband, Elkanah, had another wife, probably several, but the one that would um, tease her and bully her was uh, Panana. And she would just talk about the fact that Hannah could not have children and made her feel shame and made her feel embarrassed. And just like I felt embarrassed and shame that I could not give my husband a child. And Hannah, uh, at her wit's end, would pray to God and still wouldn't have a child. And eventually she went to God and said, Lord, if you bless me with a child, I promise I will give him back up to you. I will give him back to you. And when she made that sacrifice of a child that she hadn't even had yet, um, God honored that request. And when I read that, I prayed that same prayer in the midst of my grieving of my my daughter. Her name was Kiara. And in my in the midst of me grieving my daughter, I prayed to God and I said, God, if you give me a child, I promise I will give him I will give the child back up to you. And um, with everything in me, that's all I could pray. But I also pray because I believe this is also what Hannah got out, got out of that moment was. But if you never answer my prayer. Yet I will surrender my life to you and yet will I serve you and I will believe that your will is not my will and your way is not my way and your thoughts are not my thoughts and that you are a sovereign God. And no matter if I'm disappointed and I'm heartbroken in this moment, I will forever serve you. And that was the dedication I made on that day in the midst of that in the midst of my grieving. And he and um, I think maybe two months later, I was pregnant with my oldest son, who was 21 now, he was born one pound, nine ounces, no, one pound, 14 ounces, and, and was in the hospital for three months. And he fought for his life. And I prayed every day, just reminding myself, God, I, I gave him back to you. He is your child. I gave him back to you. And now he is a knucklehead and he is 21 years old. 
and um, he is just uh, on for life. And I'm just so grateful. I have four boys, and that's why I do not complain about having four boys. I do believe I had my girl and she will always be in my heart and she will always be in my home. And going back to those pictures, what the nurses did, they actually took that picture and gave it to me. And they actually took pieces of her hair and her feet and her foot feet print and her handprints. And they framed it for me. And I carry it with me every, everywhere I go, everywhere I move um, all these years later. She she's still in our in our home and my children know about her. So there was a purpose. Um, if nothing more, I believe there's always purpose and pain. I definitely believe that God can use your pain for purpose. It just depends on if you are willing to allow him. And so for me, it was important that I shared that story in the book. But it's also important um, that I share my story with other grieving women so that they understand that God can do all things, even in the midst of such pain. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I can completely. Yeah, well, I can't relate. Yes, my I've never, I've never had any children, but I can relate in the um, aspect of going through something difficult and using that difficult yeah. thing to actually propel your life forward and to move forward and to help other people who may be going through the same situation. Um, yes. I know when you go through difficult times, that healing is really important. Um, in order for you to move forward and to, you know, live the life that God has called you to live. But um, why do you feel like healing is important? And what are some um, tips or advice you can give to people to help to heal from the pain of, you know, whatever it is they've gone through? Yes. Well, um, just like an injury, you know, if you hurt your wrist, you're working or you're at the gym and you hurt your wrist really bad. And, um, you know, you just say, oh, I'll just get over it. And then you try to go back and, and do something else. That's going to still keep aching. The more that you ignore it, the worse that it's going to get. Even if the pain, the immediate ache goes away, you may have damaged some tendons in your wrist. You may have done some, some serious damage that you don't even know about. You may not even find out. Trust me, you'll find out as you get older. <laughs> but, but the point is that it goes with you all throughout life. And then you find out what it was that injury from way back then <laughs> that it's still bothering yeah. me. It's the same wow. thing with healing. It's the same thing with with um, specifically trauma, with, uh, if, you, if you've been abused, if you've been, it doesn't have to be something as traumatic as I've been, gone through, where I've been, I, I, we've talked about I've lost a child, I, I lost um, a brother, a sibling, I've, I've um, been abused um, in every way you can think of. If, if you got a story, if you've got a topic, I've probably experienced it. But it's just even heartbreak from a breakup. I mean, uh, just if you don't give yourself the opportunity to grieve that disappointment, to grieve that idea in your head of what should have been, of what could have been, of what you thought life should have been. If you don't give your opportunity yourself the opportunity to process that emotion that goes with that, that, that um, event, then you will carry that through the rest of your life and into every other situation that you encounter. I learned that mm. through, um, honestly, through therapy. I learned it through just the tumultuous agony that I've, I've experienced in my life, in my head space, where I couldn't even make a decision. I got to a place where I was having serious anxiety attacks and emotional breakdowns because I had so much stuff stuffed inside of me. The dirt was stuffed inside of me that I never dealt with. 
And the more I began to get the courage to look at myself and say, why am I so broken? Why am I so, why am I crying so much? Why does, when this person says this one thing to me, it makes me flip out. When I started looking at those things and asking God to show me those hard truths is when I stopped having so many anxiety attacks. That's when I started feeling more free and more happy. I started feeling more relief. Um, example, I hate it when I feel ignored. I've, I hate it. It instantly makes me feel so angry. And I couldn't understand why I would get so angry. I mean, like I'm ready to fight angry. When my husband would just not talk to me, or I give, I say something at work and they act like I didn't say anything and they keep going with the conversation, I would get livid. And when I, and when I started surfacing back and saying, why does that bother me so much? It was because my entire life, I felt invisible. My entire life, I feel like nobody listened to me. And yeah. so now I'm in a place where I'm trying to take control of my life, but people are doing this in my adult life. Mm -hmm. So now I have to separate that. I have control to not allow this to bother me in that way anymore yeah. you know but and until I got to that connection it just continued to mess with me emotionally Definitely. so walking through the steps of trying to heal I really believe it is critical to being able to be open to who God wants you to be the greatness mm -hmm. the impact that God wants to use you for mm -hmm. it's just not possible if you're filled up with all that junk now three things that I've done um, that I would say I view them as baby steps because there's a whole lot of things that can be done to heal. These are just the three basic foundational things that I believe will help to get the ball rolling. One of the things was, um, Lou, I had to understand that I had to be vulnerable, that every play, everybody needs a safe place to fall. And I had to find that space where I could be vulnerable. Um, nobody is meant to do life by themselves. Nobody is meant to just internalize everything and walk around pretending like everything is okay and never sharing what's on your heart with people. The key thing is you got to know who you can share with and who you need to be quiet around. Because <laughs> there are some people who are just, you know, they don't, they don't care. They just want to gossip, right? You got to know the difference. But a safe place of fall is someplace where you can be your your ugliest really you can be your ugliest self mm -hmm. you can say the horriblest things because it's on your heart and you just need to get it out mm -hmm. you can say um your face can be a wreck you can be snotting all over the place your house is a wreck and the person doesn't come in and judge that mm -hmm. they come in and they hold your hand they come in and help you clean up. They come in and help pray with you. And they, they walk beside you through the pain. That's the safe place. Everybody needs that safe place. And sometimes that is not your family. Sometimes it would not be the girlfriends that you go out to the club with. Sometimes it's not your husband. I had to learn that in some things, it's not my husband that I share those things with. I had to get a therapist. That was my safe place. But everybody needs a safe place. And number two... If you truly are talking about or thinking about or contemplating, really going deeper on some stuff that just keeps kind of boiling over inside you, those are the things you need to heal. If you talk about them and they rile you up, either they make you really upset or they make you really angry, then those are things you need to look at and heal from. And in order to do that, you got to be willing to face the hard facts about your life, meaning you got to be able to stare it in the, in the eyes 
and not run away from what you see. When you say, God, show me myself, you got to be willing to stand there and have the courage to see it and then ask God to help you to resolve it. But you can't resolve it if you don't first face it. And so you got to face those truths. For me, it was saying um, this person hurt me and this was a situation and this how it hurt my feelings. I felt sadness. I felt humiliated. I felt embarrassed. And then this how it damaged me, meaning now when somebody says this thing to me, I feel the same thing all over again, like from the first time it happened. And then was it my fault? See, that's where the truth comes in at. Was it my fault or was it their fault? Did I have some blame in that situation or was it all them? If it was all them, then I have to make the decision. I'm letting that go. It's not going to control me anymore. I'm putting that back on them. That's their stuff. If it was me, I got to say, well, Fatima, why did you even say that to begin with? Why did you egg them on? See, that's where the truth comes in it. And then what would I have done differently? So that is facing the hard truths. And lastly, I would just say that it's definitely, I think to your point, it's definitely not, it's definitely okay to be broken, to notice that you're broken, to acknowledge that I am messed up. I am broken, but it's never okay to acknowledge that you're broken and then say, oh, well, let me go get some ice cream. No, you need to fix yourself. <laughs> you don't stay broken. Yeah. You have to work on yourself. You have to know <laughs> that God wants to do yeah. so much more with you and he's not going to be able to do it yeah. if you stay broken. So that's uh, when you notice, when God allows you to notice that you got some stuff messed up, that's your opportunity to fix it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. There's a lot to unpack in there. And I think one thing that really stuck <laughs> out to me is I was just thinking yeah. back to you, like a traumatic experience I went through. So I'm not going to go into it on this episode because, yeah, this is not about me. But um, basically, I remember literally breaking down in the presence of God. I was listening to this song by Hillsong. Mm. I think it's... Um, I can't remember the name but oh, why why well, can't I remember the name this is really bad but I can't remember the name but it's just one of those songs that really brought out the emotions out of me and I remember just crying yeah. and crying I was actually there on my knees listening to the same song yeah. over and over again and just crying out to God yes. for healing crying out yes. to God to help me crying out to God to feel him and I've never felt anything like this in my life but what I felt was a hug that's the best way to describe it i felt a hug yes. there was no one in the room yes there was no one yes. around me yes. i was completely on my own yeah but i felt someone hugging me yeah and it was at that moment when i felt yes. that hug when i felt that that presence that overwhelming presence yes. that i knew i wasn't alone i knew that what i was yes. going through was going to end up you know elevating me to where I needed to be it was going to be the very thing that yeah. propelled me to where God called me that where whatever the enemy yeah. had planned for my failure for my defeat would end up being my victory yeah. at the end of the day and I know you also yeah. have that same mentality as I do where you believe that not even mentality but a mindset where you believe that yeah. you shouldn't really stay in your grief you shouldn't really stay in your past failures past experiences and yeah. let it affect you to the point where you don't move in life where you don't succeed in life yeah. but you actually believe that yeah. you can still be a victor regardless of whatever you've been through and in fact yeah. the very things that you've been through will actually make you a unique person 
with experiences that people will be able to relate to what are some tips for people who you know are stuck in that mindset or stuck in that mentality where they feel like i'm a victim where is me life has you know destroyed me life has upset me people have hurt me um but they can't get past whatever they've gone through and you know live the best life they can live yeah i think number one what you said was key was you you really what you were doing in that moment is you were surrendering it all you were surrendering the pain you were you had held on to it and, and a song invoked that 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 emotion um that spiritual connection and it allowed you to express all how the person hurt you or how the situation hurt you it's like when you when you're out on the playground and somebody hurts your feelings and you go and you run to daddy and they say what did they do what did they do to you and you tell them everything why because you believe that that per- your daddy is going to go fix it right and so you had that moment where you just let it all out And a part of healing is understanding that if there is no other safe place, God is that safe place where you can let it all out. You have to surrender the pain. You have to mean it. You can even mourn it. You mourn the expectation of what you had. It didn't turn out like you thought it was, but in the presence of God. And in that moment, you will also get some freedom. It's like you're trading. You're trading the pain, you're giving him all the pain, and he's in return giving you some freedom and a hug or a kiss on the forehead to go with it. I truly believe that that that's what happens. But but it, it but there is some some application, some natural application that also has to happen once you have that emotional or spiritual experience. And one of those things is understanding that we can never do anything about what happened in our past. Those experiences are our experiences. And I don't think that they should be forgotten. I think trying to forget them is what gets us trapped. We try to pretend like they never happened. And sometimes we think that forgiveness means we have to pretend that they never happened. And I just don't believe that. I tried to pretend for 40 something years and look what it got me. <laughs> it got me messed up. <laughs> so I, I, if anything, we need to face the fact that these situations happen. This is the emotion that I feel yeah. that ab- about the about this situation, and you, and it's the emotion that you want to release, not forgetting that the situation happened, but release the emotion from it. Get detached from the yeah. emotion from it. As far as like feeling it, but but the, respecting it, but then or honoring it, and then releasing it to God. That's what I mean. And so um, I think another thing that we have to understand, and there's a scripture that kind of hit me, and it's my new favorite scripture because it keeps me accountable and helps me to know my place. And in Acts 1-7, it reads that, well, I shouldn't say it reads. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have a Bible right in front of me. But it goes, (laughs) in Acts 1-7, it says, that it is not for me, I make it personal, it is not for me to know the time or the date the Father has set in His authority. And for me, that says, like a parent tells you, I'm going to get to that in a minute, and we're bugging them and saying, but why, but why? And and then they say, go sit down somewhere. When I get to it, I will get to it. Well, that's what God is saying. It is not for you to know when I'm going to fix it. It is not for you to know that. I know it. And as long as I know it, you just need to sit there and make a decision. Either you're going to trust me 
or you're not. And so a part of changing a victim mindset is making a decision. Either I'm going to trust God or I'm not. Either I have faith in God or I don't. You have to make that tough decision. You have to make that tough call. Either like when you make the call, either I'm going to call the guy back or I'm not, or either I'm going to trust God or I'm not. You have to make that decision. And then if you make the decision that you're going to trust God, then the best thing that I would tell you, friend, is to get closer to him. Because how can you allow somebody to 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 um, lead your path if you don't know them? <laughs> how are you going to let them lead your path? How are you going to know what opportunities he put for you to walk through the door in? How are you going to know if you don't spend any time with them? You got to be able to know his voice, his inkling, that that unction on the inside of you when he says, no, don't go in that door. I don't care how good that opportunity sounds. Don't do that. That's not for you. How will you know if you don't know his voice? So it takes getting closer to him. And I, I just truly believe that the key things, the key things that somebody that says, but I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go of this pain. You got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Is your pain more important than your God? Or have you made your, have you made your pain your God? You got to make that decision. And I pray that you make the decision that the pain has been so comfortable. The pain has got me through a lot. The pain has helped me honestly to stay in touch with memories, but I'm choosing to let them go because I want to hold on to God's hand and I know he has something more for me. And that's what I pray for everybody that's listening. Wow, that is powerful. And one of the things I love to ask people um, is any last words of encouragement, inspiration and advice. And even just listening to you talking, I feel like you've done that so perfectly well. Like I feel like everything that comes out of your mouth is like inspiring and encouraging and honestly i genuinely think like you should, if you haven't thought about it you should go into motivational speaking if you haven't done that already but um no i have not. no you definitely you should you said that the last time i said that and i'm saying it again because it's so true like i'm that's how you know i'm yeah. being honest and genuine like it's genuinely how yeah. i feel um but in that, I are there any last that. words? Or if there's one thing someone takes out of this episode, yeah. what is it that you want them to take out of it? Well, I definitely think, because this is this is something that I'm continuing to learn. Um, we're all walking this walk and nobody, nobody has it under control, mm -hmm. right? Nobody is perfect. And remember, the church is a spiritual hospital. We are all just trying to figure out life and the part we play in yeah. it. And the part we play in God's, um, divine plan, right? I, it's important to understand that forgiveness is an evolving process. I'm in the process. Um, I talk about a lot about my mom in the book. Um, and you know that, um, Lou. And so even in the end, I, I felt that I, I was tossing between, do I add that part about my mom and forgiveness or do I not? But I didn't want people to think that I had it all together because I don't have it all together. And so I'm in the process of working things out and forgiveness towards my mom. There are a lot of things that, that I have forgiven, but I am constantly having memories. And then I'll be like, wow, that did offend me. That bothered me when that happened. And then it's like, wow, I didn't know I had to forgive that. I didn't know that was even something I needed to forgive. So forgiveness is always an evolving process. Don't feel bad if you feel like you've forgiven somebody and then you realize that there is something more there. But I, I don't feel bad about it. 
Instead, take that opportunity to work through that mess or that that revelation and figure out exactly what it is you need to forgive and then go to God with that to ask him to soften your hearts towards that situation. And again, release the pain and the emotion that comes with it, right? Don't forget it, but release it to God in exchange for his peace. But I think it's very important to understand that forgiveness is not turning your 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 head away from the situation, ignoring that it happened. Not at all, because if you do that, you will let them back into your life and maybe they don't deserve that right now. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is more so for you than it is for the other person. It's so that you can live in peace. It's so that you can have a lighter heart. It's to release you from bondage more so than it is for the other person. Wow, thank you so much for that. Um, guys, welcome. <laughs> guys, if there's one thing you take out of this episode is to read the book. Read the book, the prescription is in the dirt. And the reason why I say that is because for me, like for me, to read it in a couple of hours and not to be able to put the book down to be so um captivated by it is like to me that's just i think that's the testament of how powerful your story is and how powerful your journey is and you're so authentic in everything that you share guys there's this is what we've talked about in this episode is just like the tip of the iceberg like there's so much more like we could go on about (laughs) the book there's so much in that book so guys if there's one thing you do is purchase the book and so fatima if my audience want to connect with you and purchase your book how can they do that well, thank you. So, and thank you for those words. That is awesome. And I really hope that you leave a review because that's important. <laughs> so thank you. But um, <laughs> since you read it, um, so they can, yes, <laughs> absolutely, yes, I'll hold you to that. I but, will, I um, will. <laughs> so yeah, you, thank you. So you can definitely go to Amazon and it is definitely there on ebook in an ebook version if you like to di- uh, read digitally or you can get the book um it's reasonably priced i i just really believe that there is a seed uh it's it's not the it's not the um the all be all or the the ingredient the full ingredient but there is definitely a seed of healing that um like lou said i I pray that that it impacts you but yes amazon but you can also go to my website i have a website and i I post um um, interviews there and just my thoughts on the conversation and how enriching the conversations were i just go in a little bit more detail about how i felt in that moment and so my website is www.fatimac.com fatimac.com the c is for my middle initial (laughs) so um, definitely you can go to my website and check that out um but i'm on social media so you can get me on facebook fatima c oliver on facebook instagram fatima c oliver 1975 on linkedin fatima c oliver even on reddit if you use reddit i am on there as fatima oliver and so i really do hope that i'm able to hear back from someone that you share um, what you got from the book, um, what inspired you, maybe even what troubled you, whatever it is, we can have a discussion about it. You can leave it on my website. We can totally chat it up. Um, but also, uh, Luani, one thing that I really want to put out there if I can is that on my website, I offer 
a 20 minute session and it's actually called a safe place session. And this is for people who we talked about having a safe place. This is a place where if you haven't figured out who that person is, then you can reach out to me. If you really got some stuff that's boiling up and you just need to get it out, you can definitely book some time with me on my website, go down to appointments um, and get a safe place session. And basically it is there for you to talk and for me to listen. Um, there are some, um, you know, some light guidelines there. Um, but, but really that's what the space is for. It's not for me to talk. I talk enough. It's for you to talk and share what's on your heart and know that it's going to stay right there. Um, if you like prayer, I'll pray with you. If not, that's fine too. I'll still listen to you. I will not give advice unless you ask for it. It is a girlfriend's corner, but it's open to the guys too. So if you feel like something's heavy on your heart, you don't have a therapist yet. You do, you haven't figured out who you can talk to yet feel free to reach out to me and get the 20 minute session booked and and we can have some time together amazing thank you so much for coming on this episode for team i really enjoyed recording with you and we've talked You're so welcome, much I, was like, You're so welcome. I, I can't believe how quickly the time has gone honestly like i could still be here talking but i know you have a lot of things to do so i thank you i appreciate your time <laughs> Yes. Yes. And let, I'll come on again. Tell me when you want me. Just reach out to me. I'm I'm, I'm here for you. So if you ever want to just talk it up, go deep on something, doesn't matter the topic, um, we, we can totally do it. Definitely. Thank you. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening to this episode of Level Up with Lou. I hope you guys actually gained something from it. Let me know your thoughts on what we discussed. Um, if you have any questions or just any co comments in general, send me an email or you can hit me up on Instagram. I hope you all have a wonderful day um, whenever I release this. It's normally Fridays, but have a wonderful Friday and enjoy yourselves. Live life. <laughs> and purchase the book guys if there's one thing you take purchase the book i'll see you guys in the next episode bye <laughs>